0: Welcome to the BL Context. This is your host, Gitanjali Dawakar. Prime Minister Narendra Modi made a few pledges at the 26th Conference of Parties meeting that is being held in Glasgow. What are these commitments and why did he do so? More importantly, can India live up to these commitments? We are joined in today by Business Lines M. Ramesh to know more about these developments and its impact on India. Ramesh, thank you for joining us on the BL Context. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. Prime Minister Narendra Modi had made a few commitments at the Conference of Parties, which is currently taking place in Glasgow. Why did he make these commitments and what was the need for it?
1: See, most people may remember during the negotiations at uh, the COP21 in Paris, which was held in December 2015, all the countries were expected to tell what they would do in terms of climate action. Oh, these commitments are called Nationally Determined Contributions or NDCs because they are all self-determined and not imposed upon any country by any other country. Okay. Well, as you know, the Paris Agreement formally came into force in 2020. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the Paris Agreement, it was agreed that all countries would come back to the negotiation table after five years, that is 2025, and do a review of the progress made called Global Stock Take. And also come up with enhancements of their NDCs. It's called ratchet mechanism. Now these are all climate lingo. <laughs> so India, like other countries, was bound to come up with enhanced commitments. Only that should happen, uh, should have happened in 2025. But since the global warming problem seems to be getting out of hand, it was agreed by all countries that enhancement would be announced sooner. That is why Prime Minister Modi announced India's enhanced commitments.
0: So can you quickly tell our listeners what the earliest NDCs were?
1: Yeah, earlier there were three NDCs Mm -hmm. uh, from India. In in 2015, during Paris Talks, India had given three commitments. Mm -hmm. One, it would reduce the carbon intensity of its GDP, that is uh, emissions per unit of gross domestic product, by 33 to 35 percent by the year 2030 over what they were. In 2005. Two, 40% of India's electricity generation capacity, installed capacity, would come from non-fossil fuels by 2030. And three, India would create carbon sinks, which means, you know, afforestation, planting trees and so on. Things would suck up carbon from the atmosphere. so as to absorb 2 to 3 billion tons of carbon dioxide by 2030. These were the three NDCs of India.
0: And now these NDCs have been further enhanced?
1: Yes, these commitments have now been enhanced.
0: So, what are the enhancements now?
1: Yes, Prime Minister Modi has given uh, five pledges. The first is that India's uh, non-fossil fuel capacity would reach 500 gigawatts by 2030. This means India's non-coal, non-natural gas-based power capacity, electricity generation capacity, should increase at least threefold in nine years. Since large hydroelectric projects are a little bit difficult to do, there are environmental issues and social issues and so on, rehabilitation issues and so on, they are difficult to do. This commitment therefore would mean that without a major push for wind and solar, more solar than wind, it would not happen. This, in turn, would have implications on land that is to be made available for solar. As you know, a megawatt of solar capacity would take about five acres of land. And the capacity of the grid to take that much of electricity, renewable electricity, because renewable electricity is intermittent, you know, it goes up and comes down, we'll have to do grid balancing and so on. The, The grid will have to be tuned in order to be able to take this much of renewable electricity capacity. That's a lot of doing. As such, major investments would need to be put into grid balancing, essentially, you know, building more battery systems and hydrogen and stuff like that. So a lot of things around this. So that's the first commitment. The second announcement made by Prime Minister Modi is that India will get 50% of its energy. Now we are talking of elect- generation of electricity, not the installed capacity. 50% of energy from renewable sources by 2030. With this Came to me as a bit of a shocker because installed capacity is one thing and energy is quite another. At present, electricity from renewable sources comes to about 10-11%. So renewable energy, I mean, although renewable energy capacity, you know, we just crossed 100 uh, gigawatts. But the energy that comes out of it, it's only about 10-12% to 12% of the total energy mix. Typically, it's been like that now for some years. Now, to raise this five times in seven years would be quite a feat. Also, this cannot be done unless there is a massive pushback on coal. And uh, there seems to be no sign of that happening. The third announcement made by the Prime Minister is to reduce a billion tons of carbon emissions between now and 2030. Now, this again, a lot of experts such as Mr. R.R. Rashmi of Terry, the Energy Resource Institute. Now, in his reaction, initial reaction to this commitment, he has called this a massive commitment. Compare this commitment with the entire greenhouse gas inventory of 3 billion tons, which will increase to 4.5 billion tons by 2030. This pledge of 1 billion ton of reduction is about 25% of the inventory by 2030. This is what Mr. Rashmi says. He says, this also means that India has committed itself to peaking of emissions. That means emissions would not grow anymore beyond that from that point, would start only coming down.
0: But that's quite an ambitious target. And... For a very short span of time as well.
1: Very, very ambitious target. Yes. The fourth commitment is to reduce carbon intensity of the economy by 45%. Now, I just told you, our earlier commitment was that India would reduce intensity of carbon emissions, intensity of GDP by 33 to 35%. Now, this has been enhanced to 45%. So, this again is a very big promise. Something uh, that cannot be fulfilled without saying goodbye to coal. The final commitment is the announcement of the much awaited net zero date. India has committed, given a net zero date as 2070.
0: When you say net zero date,
1: what do you mean by it? What it means is that the economy, the country will not emit more carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases than it can absorb back or offset by other measures. So the net zero. Whatever you emit, you absorb back or you offset by doing something else. You know, you could do it in India, you could do it elsewhere, but whatever you take measures to absorb, that's net zero. That is, from the net zero date, the country is not putting any more emissions into the atmosphere. So, this uh, 2070 is really far out in the future, but that need not uh, worry us, because uh, most countries have given, most countries really have given 2050 as their net zero dates some big economies like russia china and indonesia have committed to 2060 india has given itself enough time to do this that sounds reasonable because we are a big populous country and to bring down emissions very quickly would be difficult so these are basically the five commitments yes they are very very ambitious commitments
0: indeed so what does this imply for us at large
1: it has a few very major implications for the indian economy the first one is that like I just said now that uh, these pledges cannot be honoured unless there is a massive, very big pushback on coal. Now, this runs against the policy, recently stated policy of the government, which is to raise coal production and consumption. Because, you know, after all, India, coal is India's energy mainstay. We don't have anything else. But on the other hand, if you burn coal, you're doing more emissions and that goes against these pledges. So, But to repeat the point... These pledges cannot be met unless there is a pushback, you know, completely. The coal is being driven down to keep it under the ground. But there was a recently, as you may remember, a few days last week, there was a production gap report, which the United Nations Environment Programme, UNEP, yeah. produced. And that report, uh, interestingly, has a section, of India, section on India, as on some other countries, where... It captures all India, all of India's official coal-related announcements. Now, it shows, for example, a 2020 report jointly produced by several ministries for a vision and action plan for developing India's resources speaks actually of expanding coal, coal increasing coal production by nearly 60% between 2019 and 2024, from 730, 730 million tonnes to 1,100. Forty-nine million tons. Towards this, India has also done a few things like auctioning of coal mines. Auctioning of coal mines happened last year. That would add about 225 million tons of coal. So, there seems to be no pulling back on coal.
0: What could be the reason behind not pulling back coal? I understand it's a major source of energy for India. But there are alternative
1: means too. The other other alternatives have still to mature. Solar. Yeah, we are going big on solar. But you have to remember that one megawatt of coal capacity will give you something like plant utilization factor, PLF would be about 90%. For solar, it would be about 19%. That's the difference. Okay. So if a coal plant gives you maybe uh, 8 million units of electricity in a year, the solar plant will give you 1.5. So that for the same capacity for same one megawatt, mm-hmm. so that's the difference. So you can't really raise production of generation of electricity with just solar or wind or with renewable energy very quickly. And we have nothing else. Hydro, of course, large hydroelectricity is is an option. You can build a hydroelectric plant in five years or so, but always fraught with difficulties, mainly rehabilitation, resettlement issues. So it's pretty difficult to do. And maybe the government has taken the stand because it has nothing else by way of energy resources. But, you know, in the meantime, the world is burning. And India is one of the more vulnerable countries because, you know, that northern India will be hit by melting glaciers. There will be floods in some uh, points of the year and there will be droughts in the other extreme, extreme climate change. It's going to affect agriculture, livelihood and so on. And in the peninsular India, we'll see erratic monsoon behavior. We'll see, again, a heavy downpour in some months in some places, and you know, drought in other places, heat waves, and so on and so forth. India is clearly one of the more vulnerable countries. So, we are already experiencing it, it will only get worse. So, from that point of view, all these pledges may seem to make sense, but how we are going to do this is a big, 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 big problem. The other implication is that India will need to urgently look at other sources of renewable energy generation, not just excessively rely on solar. Now, wind industry is kind of moribund today mm-hmm. for various other reasons. And tilts will have to perk up there, at least to some extent. Mm-hmm. Then India will also have to look at other options. Nuclear energy is certainly an option. Well, there are concerns around nuclear energy, safety and other issues. We but:
0: have a group of people protesting Yes, yes. Is.
1: We have to take them on board. We have to take them along, convince them that it's possible. Do whatever is necessary to do in order to uh, build a safe nuclear power plant
0: isn't nuclear energy an expensive affair eh?
1: that's again a problem you're right that's absolutely a problem. see wherever whichever in whichever direction you take a step there is a nuclear hurdle there is a stumbling block it's a nuclear is an expensive option today uh we'll have to handle it somehow or the other
0: is it also a concern that the mere word nuclear triggers fear
1: so that's a more a phobia, you know, it will have to be tackled through proper dissemination of information, you know, convincing people. The, the con- I'm not saying the concerns are not real, concerns are not genuine, the concerns are genuine. Uh, but uh, they can be addressed, you see. You can't be always thinking of Chernobyl and uh, Fukushima and saying no, because accidents do happen and uh, we know for we know the specific, clearly we know why these things happened when we are in a position to avoid those things in future. Yeah, Technology has also evolved. Technology has evolved and those were old technologies. In, in the case of Chernobyl, as you may remember, there were some mishandling of the issue itself. You know, it happened. It need not have happened if they had followed the protocol. In Fukushima, it was an old technology; you couldn't put it out very quickly. Those things are behind us now. Now we know how to build a safe nuclear power plant. Well, even then there are, there could be issues. The issues will have to be addressed properly. But we really can't. I mean, we at the end of the day we can't afford to say no to nuclear, because if nuclear doesn't hit you, the climate change will hit you faster and more. So India had planned to build about 60,000 megawatts, 60 gigawatts of nuclear power plants. We are about six now about about a tenth of it that was broadly the thinking that you know with the help of foreign technology and foreign funding and so on we'll build about 60 gigawatts nuclear power We should be at we do at least 30. there are ways of handling this maybe you can think of barge mounted ship mounted small sized 80 megawatts 100 megawatts kind of nuclear power plant which you can put it out into the sea Uh, 5 kilometers, 10 kilometers into the sea, you only need some cabling to bring, evacuate the power.
0: In your article, I noticed that you said India's aim is to become a climate leader, but the ball is in the developed countries' court. What prompted you to make that statement?
1: Yeah, you know, because India has announced its very ambitious, Mm -hmm. very lofty aims. It signals, at least to my mind, it signals that India wants to take the leadership position here. uh, At least among the developing countries. No, we are not, it cannot be a, we are a big economy, large economy, very important country in global geopolitics. We cannot afford to be seen as a laggard here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Prime Minister has done the right thing to, you know, take up the leadership here. But most of these pledges cannot be done without uh, funding, financing and without transfer of technology from the developed world. Mm -hmm. After all, they were the ones who marked up their environment earlier. Another point is... You know, they can also do some climate action. The, when I say they, they, I mean the developed world. Okay. They can do it. Mm-hmm. We can also do it. But where is it done the cheapest? Mm-hmm. The cost of carbon avoided is the cheapest in India. The world should seize this opportunity. Okay, let's do it in India where it is cheaper. So let's fund India to help it do it. It's not money for us, it's not money for in, the Indian like government. Have... In some cases, that may also be true but in some cases the testing has already been done as in the case of solar in the case of hydrogen hydrogen uh, the western world is really you know is taking up very well mm-hmm. taking up there are so many hydrogen companies you know uh, it's happening there it's been tried and tested out there and it could it's best implemented here we are not seeking alms yeah right that's not the idea we are saying we not saying please give us some money like some other countries whom I won't name, <laughs> <laughs> we are not going and saying, please help us. That's not the idea. I'm saying, okay, let's do it. I mean, let the climate action, uh, it doesn't I matter where it is you done. You the support. Yeah, no, the climate action, wherever it happens, uh-huh. it is helpful. Correct. It doesn't matter whether it happens in this part of the world or another part of the world. But very clearly, if it is, if it is done in this part of the world, it is cheapest and fastest. You mm-hmm. can do it well here. So, let's do it here. That's what we are saying. So, uh, from that point of view, is saying yes, uh, uh, the the entire ambition of climate action should also be complemented by adequate funding and transfer of technology. See, for example, take hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Now, hydrogen electrolyzers um, are still evolving. It's still, I mean, the old technologies are there, but newer and better technologies are evolving. And uh, if they start charging. Indian companies for that technology, we will price hydrogen out here. But if there is an easier way of transfer, there's a transfer mechanism for hydrogen, transferring this electrolyzer technology, we can build electrolyzers here, a supply to the entire world, where it will be cheaper.
0: Do you think the Prime Minister, when he made these commitments, was a little, not how reported, maybe he didn't think it through, or was a little over-ambitious? No,
1: see, if you look at uh, the track record of this government, generally it is been like you aim for the moon you will hit the rooftops <laughs> okay. it may not be a bad policy you may have different views about it if you set yourself very high very lofty goals you will do at least something and certainly we have seen that in the case of solar okay. the plan in 2015 when it was announced was to build 100 megawatts uh, uh, I'm sorry 100 gigawatts of solar capacity by 2020 we are we will end up with 40 now if the plan had not been for hundred, we would never have come even this. Forty is a respectable number, mm-hmm. but it lo- looks small when compared with the target.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So probably that's also the idea here. Let us aim for something very, very big and then there will be push from all sides and then we will achieve something. So but in this case, even if we achieve half of what we have said here, half of what the Prime Minister yeah, has said here, yeah, it's still a it targets
0: that are just said for eight years or seven years or something like that. And that is really really short time to yes bring about any
1: change yes so you have to set yourself very stiff targets <laughs> no, last time around when india gave its indices as some people may remember india was criticized for uh, you know not being very ambitious very safe in making those commitments giving only those commitments and very comfortably meet on all those things so this time is quite the opposite yeah. this time the commitments are very stiff probably the idea is okay let's uh, aim for something very big and we'll go at least somewhere in that direction
0: well on that note thank you so much for joining us ramesh on bl context it was a pleasure speaking with you do subscribe to our spotify channel bl context you may follow us on google Podcasts and our website com. until next time this is your host keith anjali signing off